Hello and welcome to the Sunday Salon, the podcast that celebrates brilliant books and the women who write them. My guests this week are Rachel Stonehouse and Kayla Johnson, who work for the Luminary Bakery and have just written Rising Hope, Recipes and Stories from Luminary Bakery. Now, I have a particular interest in this because Luminary were actually making my wedding cake and I was meant to be getting married next weekend. I'm not anymore, but I have kept in touch with Luminary because they do incredible work, as well as making absolutely delicious cake. They're a social enterprise training women who've experienced severe disadvantage from homelessness to domestic violence in cake making. This, the idea goes, boosts their confidence, but also offers future employment opportunities. So I loved hearing from Rachel and Kayla about some of the incredible women that they've worked with and also about the time Megan, Duchess of Sussex, came to visit them and the incredible operation that went on behind the scenes to make that happen. I hope you enjoy it as much as I did. Rachel, Kayla, welcome to the Sunday Salon. I'm, I'm so thrilled to be talking to you. Thank you so much for having us. Yeah, thank you. It's such a treat. I want to start by asking you to describe for our listeners the book and what the concept is and, and why you decided to write it. Uh, Rachel, let's start start with you and then and then Kayla, we'd love to hear from you as well. Mm, sure. So yeah, Rising Hope is our first cookbook. So it's Luminary's first book. And it really is kind of the story of Luminary up to this point. I'd say we, over the last six years, we've had so many women come through our doors um, and kind of bake in our kitchens from trainees that have been learning to bake with us to apprentices, to interns, to bakers. Um, it really, Luminary is kind of a community of women. Um, and these women, when they've come through our doors, have brought with them their stories, um, their kind of life experiences and their really amazing recipes. Um, so Rising Hope is kind of a collaboration of all of those things together. And I think the title Rising Hope is exactly what these recipes and stories are about. We experience this on a daily basis. This is what's happening behind the scenes of Luminary. And we really wanted to introduce people to Luminary, but also to the hope that each woman holds and pursues in their resilience. Mm-hmm. Um, because we see that all the time and it is so empowering for us. And we wanted to share that with others. Yeah, I think we kind of, we were so inspired by all of these women and we really yeah. wanted to to reflect that kind of resilience and the diversity and the talent of all of these individuals um, kind of together, but also then the strength that we found in community and it's sort of, yeah, bringing together of all of that. Mm. So I'm very familiar with um, Luminary because, well, firstly, I live really nearby. Secondly, you are making my wedding cake, (laughs) my distant in the future wedding, much postponed. But not everyone will be. And I wonder if you can just share the story of Luminary, which was, was set up by Alice Williams when... And it started started out sort of from a church hall and a helping homeless women. You now, of course, have um, your bakeries and you got your Stoke Newington site in, in, in 2016. Can you tell us the story of the bakery and also of how you both got involved in it? Yeah, so... Um... In uh, Rising Hope, Alice does a a beautiful intro of kind of from her 
um, experience of uh, her social work background, mm-hmm. just the stories that she came across and wanting to offer an opportunity for women to gain independence from some of the circumstances they were in. And she shares it beautifully in there. Um, But it was a a couple of women that came together that wanted to offer something to women that were experiencing extreme disadvantage. There was homelessness, but also coming out of the prison system, um, modern slavery, those type of situations, offering them an opportunity to not only feel empowered, but uh, gain independence for a new life. And so Alice was uh, connected with some other women that were also bakers. And that's kind of where the baking mentality came about. (laughs) And also witnessing the therapeutic, which I think everyone has experienced in some way now with COVID and lockdown, the therapy of baking. And so from that moment, it kind of birthed this idea of using baking as a form of therapy to work with women. And then from there, it started, as you said, in a church hall and slowly progressed to our Stoke Newington bakery and now to our second bakery in Camden. Um, And that was a huge, huge milestone for us as it moved us on to helping four times as many women as um, we were able to do before. So that's kind of a really quick synopsis of the life of Luminary this far. And the idea is that by training women to become professional bakers, Mm -hmm it enables them to then go out into the world of work with a with a skill to offer is is that correct yeah absolutely i think we um kind of alice's experience of working with women that were selling sex um in kind of the east end of london was actually for them it almost felt like there wasn't another option like there wasn't another Mm, choice for them um and so luminary was kind of designed to offer other options and offer kind of opportunities to these women that kind of were at a disadvantage to them um, and so kind of lots of the situations Kayla described um, put them in a position where, yeah, they are at disadvantage to getting work or getting the access to kind of skills or learning the skills that they might need in order to get into the working world. Mm. Um, so Lumino is kind of designed with that in mind. Um, but a lot of them also experience gender based violence. Um, and so the idea of Luminary was that it was a a really safe place for these women, kind of a professional environment, but also a very safe and kind of holistically kind of caring environment where they could grow as individuals, um, become more employable and also, yeah, learn a trade and learn a skill set. So we use baking kind of almost as our like vehicle into employability. Mm -hmm. Um, So we teach them. So yeah, I kind of teach all the baking at the moment. (laughs) So we kind of start with things like flapjack and brownies and cookies, like quite simple bakes. And then over the course of six months, we um, yeah train them so they're at a point where they've learned the skills that they need um, in order to kind of enter a kitchen and um, become a baker. But obviously lots of them don't necessarily want to become bakers so um they've then picked up loads of transferable skills lots of them would say that there's a real self-worth that they found Mm -hmm. that comes from learning to bake um and it's kind of quite confidence building and Mm -hmm. kind of being able to take raw ingredients and within a couple of hours having made a cake or a loaf of bread or something like that is quite a tangible sign of progress and um they take real pride in what they make. So, yeah. 
And when, when you say they've learnt transferable skills, mm. what kinds of things do you see women go on to do who don't go into baking? So we work with a few different organisations um, kind of partnering and they also get a mentor as well. Um, so that mentor will kind of support them in finding other work if they decide baking isn't for them. But many of them go on to think like caring roles um, or we've seen some go into kind of support work roles for other women that are in similar situations to situations they found themselves in mm. um into like maybe not into baking but into kind of chefing um yeah but loads and loads of different things they're almost as varied as the women that we work with mm, yeah definitely and some even go into like one has gone in to sell uh, sporting clothing and design their own clothing line and that kind of stuff. So that it's there is a business entrepreneurial mm. side yeah. to the skills that are being taught. Rachel, you mentioned that you teach the baking and, and mm. you you are responsible for the recipes mm. in the book. Kayla, you are responsible for the interviews in the book. Can you tell me each of you how you personally got involved in? in luminary Kayla let's start with you and then come to Rachel I actually first met Alice at a cafe in on Brick Lane I had a couple connections um there and um she was based out of there at Kahila Cafe and she shared her you know her heart for wanting to offer opportunities to women who felt like they didn't have any other choice as uh, Rachel hinted at. And it was just so, for me, she like, it was like, she was reading my mind and my desire and what I wanted to be more involved in. And from that moment on, I just stayed connected with Luminary um, from behind the scenes, being a cheerleader, helping where I could. And then in 2018, an opportunity uh, was obviously for um, helping with co-authoring the cookbook, but as well as coming on team to help with communications as a communications officer to kind of help share the story of Luminary. That's really my job is to share what's happening behind the scenes and help portray the narrative of the beauty and the hope and the resilience and and I have to say strength that is within the doors of luminary so that was um kind of the journey I've been in but it's been like yeah over the last six years um such a joyful journey to watch luminary grow and now be part of of that journey as well and Rachel what what about you so yeah, I, um, similar to Kayla, I've kind of been involved with Luminary since almost the very beginning. I think it was probably 2013, um, I was looking for a way to use my kind of my baking skills, um, because that was what I loved. And that's what I kind of wanted to do um, going forward and was kind of looking at university courses and thinking, actually, none of these courses will give me a job at the end that I want to do. <laughs> um, so actually, why don't I try and pursue something now? Um, I think I was, yeah, I was 18 at the time, so quite young. Um, but like, I want to pursue something now that is going to push me yeah, into kind of a career and a job that I absolutely love and I feel really passionate about. Um, so I was looking everywhere for somewhere that would kind of, <laughs> I was like, will you let me bake? <laughs> will you ever let me bake? Um, and came across, it was like a friend of a friend knew Alice. And the, at the time, like luminary in the bakery was just an idea between her and a few friends um and so we kind of had a bit of back and forward and then I joined the team in 2014 kind of having left 
uh, sixth form and stuff and I've been here ever since so I very much grew with the bakery kind of I feel like we started this tiny little startup in a little church kitchen um, and yeah as it's grown I've kind of been able to grow mm. with it so I think a year in I realized I was teaching these women to bake but had actually technically never professionally been taught myself so I went and then trained as a pastry chef on like day release um, and then whilst also working for Luminary um, and then progressed on to be their head baker and then more recently in the last year um, have kind of stepped back from head baking um, but have um, yeah kind of delved into teaching baking full-time for all of our trainees. And um, where did your interest in baking and cooking come from? Oh it's so embarrassing. I think <laughs> Basically, as a 14-year-old, I I put the logic together that if I baked more cake, I could eat more cake. And that was <laughs> that was a skewed logic of my 14-year-old brain. Um, but that's basically how I got into it, was making making cakes. And then really just fell in love with it. And kind mm-hmm. of, I think it's a combination between it being quite a scientific practice and like there being quite a lot of accuracy and precision and knowing if a recipe is well made, knowing that if you follow the steps of what it tells you to do, you will come out with something that is really good. Um, So the scientific part, but also the really creative part of it and kind of flavour, coming up with new flavour combinations or, yeah, like innovating kind of new products is a real love and passion of mine. So it kind of brought together those two things. Um, Yeah, so that's sort of where it came from. So just making a lot of cake in my home kitchen and then, yeah where it started you got a lot of attention when Meghan Markle came to visit you uh I think it was late last year is that right I mean it feels like a hundred years ago now yeah. because we've been through the whole pandemic and everything in time has walked yeah. but um it was it was late it was it was November last year I think yeah can you tell me first of all what was it like getting that sudden rush of attention and then can you tell me a the sort of interesting backstory behind setting mm. that up and, 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 and what actually happened. Because I imagine, I mean, as with anything involving any of the royals, it must have been a huge, huge, huge operation. Mm. And keeping it secret must have been very difficult because it was it was a sort of surprise. Was it, Kayla, I imagine that you had quite a lot to do with setting that up. So, <laughs> um, so tell me about that. I, what, what was it like when you had that sudden kind of rush of press attention? Yeah, it's so funny because I don't think... Like, you know that there will be attention, obviously, mm-hmm. but it, it never crossed our mind how big the attention mm-hmm. would be um, and for how long that attention <laughs> would hang on for. Um, I think for us, it, a lot of a lot of the decisions we make at Luminary always comes back to how will this impact the women? Will this be beneficial for the importance of empowering women to reach their potential, because that's kind of everything we default back to. And um, like you said, the Duchess of Sussex came and a lot of it was around her spending time with our graduates, Um, just being women among women, sharing stories, um, sharing, you know, being moms or whatever, and just having that time to to celebrate and encourage each other. And that's really what took place. And um, you can imagine, yes, the preparation was actually uh, big, but quite swift. 
It was very much like this is happening. And then there is, you know, we just got everything in line. And before we knew it, it happened and it had ended and then press. And it was just kind of like a whirlwind of excitement. And I think the best comment that happened that day was one of our graduates said the Duchess could have been anywhere that day and she chose to spend it with us. And that was a really just an honoring and really special moment uh, for our graduates to experience. So can you, how did it come about? Who initiated, had you invited or was it, did someone from like her office contact you saying, we've heard about your, how did it even happen? Yeah, so um, I'm sure you saw that she had invited, well, we didn't know that she had invited us to be featured in British Vogue, uh, but we were featured in British Vogue and she was the guest editor on it. And so we've had a connection with her um, and her being a support for us over a small period of time. And so we reached out to her and asked, you know, would you, would you want to be a part of uh, helping us launch our second location? And as I said before, it was a pretty huge launch because it enabled us to help four times as many women, which is a huge growth, mm-hmm. um, let alone opening another business. <laughs> and yeah, so it was, we we passed out the invitation. I don't think we ever thought it was going to happen just because she's very busy uh, doing a lot of the charity work that she does. And it just ended up happening. And it was, like I said, it was a very honoring and special moment for all of us. Do you know how she first found out about you to feature you in Vogue? Did you ever, was that a bit of a mystery? I think so, actually. (laughs) I don't know. (laughs) I'm not sure. I'm sure someone knows. (laughs) I know, I'm sure someone knows, but it was very much like we didn't really we didn't know that she was the guest editor because that was also kept quite secret yeah. by British Vogue. For us in being interviewed by British Vogue, that was, we were just working with British Vogue and us, like like Alice did a lot of the interview side of things. And that was that. It wasn't until, you know, the week of <laughs> that um, we found out that uh, she was one of the reasons why we were, featured in there and um yeah so that was a very another moment where we're like oh wow thank you (laughs) yeah no it was all kept quite hushed from the team so none of us really knew it was happening until Alice like called us all down into the office and was like we've got some news yeah (laughs) and we were like whoa okay (laughs) so yeah we didn't really get much of a hand in that kind of early part and did, was there, did you have to, was there sort of big security operation and stuff that goes with it? I mean, how do you go about preparing for that? And also, how do you prepare the women? Presumably, in some ways, it must be quite nerve wracking for both you and the women, because you've got, I mean, it's always a bit weird when you meet someone famous, it sort of can be quite intimidating. And even though that obviously makes no sense, but I know that whenever I've met someone high profile, it's always, I'm always a bit thrown by it. Mm. Um, and, and also, um, especially when there's such a high level of, of press attention, if you're not used to having lots of cameras and newspapers and stuff like that around, it must be quite overwhelming. So how did you prepare for that side of things? We actually, you know, her team handled that. That mm-hmm. was like something that we were really grateful for, that they were they were just, her team was definitely on top of everything of that. So a lot of it for us, our end was just preparing our staff and graduates and trainees, you know, for for the day and also like um, being able to celebrate it, but also uh, being mindful of keeping it, you know, 
quiet until it was able to come out into the public. And so that was really all that we did on our side, <laughs> um, which we were really grateful. Her team was amazing to work with. And how, did you find it boosted business? Did it help you in that sense? I think in a lot of ways, it definitely boosted awareness mm-hmm. of who we were, the work that we do. Um Definitely, um, you know, we saw more people coming in to our cafes, but even Camden alone, um, that's a pretty, you know, tourist area. So uh, we expected that we were going to have more business anyways, being in that area. Yeah. Um, And so, so yeah, I think one of the most important things to us is, is awareness, because the more it gets out there, the work that we do, the more that women can read these stories like in the cookbook um, and say, I'm not alone. Yeah. That's something that's really important. You'll, and some of the stories in the cookbook, some of them say, you know, I was reading a magazine and saw an Mm. advertisement for Luminary. And so Mm. they got in touch, you know, because they wanted to be a part of that. And they, they saw that maybe they connected with, you know, some of the women that we we work with. And so I think that's what's really powerful about awareness is that it almost the world can feel so disconnected, but awareness can actually bring a connection and bring people together to say, you know, you're not alone in your situation. Um and and there's hope, which is essentially, you know, what these stories portray in the cookbook. And can I ask about lockdown because mm-hmm. I mean, obviously, that's a bit of a nightmare when you have to shut down and you pivoted quite quickly to offering sort of digital tutorials and you were very Mm. active on social media. But how has that affected you? I mean, how did you, was it difficult financially to keep afloat? And also, how did you deal with the fact that you wouldn't be able to be in contact with the women you're Mm. working with Mm. on a daily basis in, in sort of in real contact I suppose yeah I think like for basically for everyone it was it was a challenge um but I think something our team is so incredible at is we are incredibly adaptive um, mm-hmm. and we've been through so much change over the last few years that actually it did feel like oh it's just another thing like we'll just take it in our stride um and our charity team were absolutely incredible I think they're kind of the they can kind of go un um, unnoted quite a lot because a lot of what they do is in the background um but they just jump straight into action mm-hmm. um and so yeah we kind of had our last course that was safe and then the training programs had to shut down um but that didn't mean they like the support shut down or even the kind of teaching and the stuff that side of things shut down it just all went online or via phone call um because a lot of the yeah a huge amount of the women that we support actually were in a position where it hit them hardest um mm-hmm. I think the lockdown and um everything wasn't easy for anybody but they really were hit very hard um mm-hmm. and a lot of there were a lot of kind of mental health issues um especially in cases where there's like domestic violence mm-hmm. suddenly being locked down with a perpetrator like there's all sorts of issues around that um or just being a single mum with three kids where actually you're now responsible for educating them in a certain sense as well as being their mum um was a huge amount of pressure on all of them so yeah our charity team were kind of at the end of a phone um whenever they needed support 
we um, did like online baking videos. So mm-hmm. I became a YouTuber for a few months, which <laughs> I don't say I want to do again, but it was it was an experience um, of, yeah, kind of filming baking tutorials for the um, trainees to watch and then bake along with mm-hmm. at home. Um, one of our incredible graduates, um, who's a real kind of role model to lots of the other women that have come through our programs, um, was doing like a live bake along every week. So she would mm-hmm. bake live over Zoom and everyone would kind of tune in and bake with her. Um, and then we sent loads of care packages um, to our trainees as well. And one and our teaching assistant um, has she's I mean she's set up an amazing business um which kind of combines like mental health um support and baking and she um with kind of the knowledge and experience she had was making packs of like they we call them self-care packs but on ways to kind of for our trainees to look after themselves um throughout lockdown so lots of kind of exercises and things to think about and um things to do to kind of keep them mentally healthy over that time as well yeah yeah, and I would even add like watching and working with the the charity team and how swiftly they adapted. Um, you know, everything was everyone ex- was experiencing how quickly lockdown regulations were changing. It, it just seemed like overnight things were happening so quickly, mm-hmm. and um, the charity team, you know, Rachel and everyone else that was working with the women were really swift in adapting. Mm-hmm. And, you know, they met in most mornings to kind of have this time together, you know, to share concerns, to celebrate together, you know, and to just collaborate as a team Mm -hmm. and I think that's one of the best images you can see is like when things get hard a lot it's there's this tendency to you want to like pull back but our team pulled together Mm -hmm. and when things got things got really tough and I think that's really powerful and I just kind of wanted to highlight that because I was watching this take place and working with them behind the scenes and it was such a beautiful representation of um the hope that Luminary has and we couldn't even be in the same building but we all did it from like our homes and yeah it was a significant moment for for everyone. You've been able to resume training now Mm -hmm. presumably? Not yet um we will be kind of so we pushed pause on it and then we're going to be restarting in the autumn um we just want to make sure everything is kind of as safe as it can be um but also lots of the women that we work with have kids and so currently they're still on school holidays um so yeah what other challenges have been thrown up by this and and how have you met them and and also how financially have you got by has uh, what 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 government help have you been able to rely on yeah I think it's been it's really hit kind of the charity sector hard um and I think we could see that quite evidently from this even the first couple of weeks quite a lot of our kind of sister organizations that we rely on to support um the same kind of women in different areas um quite a lot of them had to shut down um or kind of had to take a few weeks out to work out how like working from home was going to work for them um so for us it felt like a lot of the support suddenly everything was kind of on us so that was a real challenge was kind of trying to meet the needs of these women um when it's not just training or kind of holistic support but it might be like housing issues or it might be childcare issues or um health kind of issues it's lots of different things um yeah that we meant we kind of had to really rise to that 
Um, but again, like massive hats off to our charity team for dealing with that so well. Um, and I, we, I think we got by because we were so, so blessed by some really generous grants and donations. Um, and I think lockdown financially hit lots of the public really hard. But also for quite a lot of people, they were saving quite a lot of money um, from kind of not eating out all the time, not traveling, that sort of thing. Um, and so some people were like really generous um, towards Luminary and this meant we've kind of been able to work our way through this time. Um, and now our, char- now our coffee shops and bakeries are back open. So um, that is such, I think it was so exciting to be like, we got through yeah. it and they're open and you can order cake and we can serve you cinnamon buns. Um, exactly. Yeah, that was like a real kind of triumphant moment to have that all back open again now. Yeah. Which is amazing. Yeah, and I would even add to that, like our our customers are so loyal. Mm-hmm. Like right up, you know, at the you know, when lockdown was really hitting crunch time and businesses were needing to close for safety regulations, you know, mm-hmm. our customers were there right to the very end. And um, even with our letterbox brownies, which was that there was an initiative we kickstarted um right when COVID started coming, we offered it nationwide. And that was such a huge hit that we've chosen to do that nationwide from now on. So mm-hmm. when, by the time we had reopened, it, I think it was almost 2,500 brownie boxes were, were placed on order. So our baking team was working extra hard mm-hmm. when we were reopening our um, doors. So I think it's a huge shout out to our loyal customers and supporters because everyone is struggling right now. Um, And we're incredibly grateful that those individuals took the time to, you know, believe in what we're doing and want to see us thrive Mm -hmm. and and took the time to offer the support that they could offer. Can I uh, return to the book? Mm -hmm. Kayla, you did the interviews Mm -hmm. uh, that are a sort of, made thread running through it I wonder if you can tell me about some of the stories and and any ones that made a particular impression Mm. on you yeah you know all the stories are is a cat choose um favorites because it's it's um Rachel says it really well it's like choosing between your children you just can't because it's just like each one is so unique but the interview process was I keep saying this, but it was such a huge honor. I can't, it's hard to describe how you feel when someone's opening up a bit about their life to you, Um, you know, inviting you into some intimate moments that they've experienced. And uh, for me, listening to a lot of our graduates and trainees stories was just, it was very much like I walked out feeling empowered and feeling like okay I can do this and you want to write the stories well and so for me sitting down and writing these stories it was very important that all the women had a say in the writing so I wrote the stories passed it to them they would ask for like little changes and some of them had to do for security reasons but others was just kind of like oh they wanted to add in this little extra bit and they got really excited about their story being you know in a written format which was really exciting but I actually did think like oh what is um one of the stories that you know a lot of 
press is taking place and um, there's lots of extracts and some of our graduates who have their recipes being shared in magazines and newspapers, their stories are also being included. Um, and so I was trying to think of the ones that maybe haven't been tapped into yet. And I wanted to share one quick one. I won't read the whole story, but I wanted to share the quote from Giselle's story. Her recipe is in here as the lemon and poppy seed cotton cake. And it looks amazing. So it's spongy and light. It's like yeah. it's in air. It's incredible. Yeah, it's uh, inspired by a Japanese vanilla cake. Um, And yes, uh, we describe it in here in the recipe as heavenly. Um, (laughs) But Giselle's story is incredibly resilient. And um, just even listening to her, I remember thinking she so eloquently shared her story with me. And um, there's this really great quote. And I read it today and I was like, This is exactly how I felt after listening to in the interview. Um, This is what she says. We all feel that the issues we're facing are the biggest and hardest thing we've ever had to deal with. Then I met some of the amazing women coming from Luminary Bakery, and it put things into perspective. They've all come from such extraordinary struggles, and the most inspirational factor among these women is strength of character and perseverance. They are a constant reminder to me that we are all warriors. And I feel like that ending part where she says, we are all warriors. I was like, that's exactly how I felt after each interview. Um, Just really inspired and ready to take on the world. (laughs) Are you able to tell us a little more about Giselle's story? I I know you said you you know, you didn't want to read the whole thing, but in fact, I'd actually rather love to hear mm. the whole thing because mm. because I, I've read it and it is very moving. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Um, so this is Giselle's story. The therapeutic nature of baking cakes can be a pleasure in, in itself and is something that brought Giselle hope amidst disadvantage. Life prior to prison was a battle for Giselle. She had been living on the streets and risking everything to make ends meet. When she was released, she was determined to turn her life around. She had so much to live for and didn't want to let another day go by where her circumstances restricted her ambition for a better tomorrow. After being introduced to Luminary by a recruitment consultancy charity working with ex-offenders, she was finally ready to let her ambition loose. Embracing the luminary experience opened Giselle's eyes to new opportunities, drawing out skills that were yet to be explored. The art of preparing food for others is strong within Giselle's heritage. With a baker for a granddad and talented cooks for parents, culinary creativity is in her blood. Similarly, being of Jamaican, Malaysian, and Irish descent, She embraces her international origins by bringing together flavors and different traditional cultural dishes from around the world. Luminary has now become a home for Giselle, a network of women supporting each other. Thank you very much. And, you know, there are so many stories like that in Mm -hmm. the book. So Mm -hmm. as well as extremely 
useful recipes for uh, <laughs> delicious um, lemon uh, cake. Um, there's 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 lots lots to take away from it. Look, I'm very conscious I've taken up quite a lot of your time, so I'm going to draw things to a close. But before I do, what's next for Luminary? I mean, it's a time with quite a lot of uncertainty, and we mm-hmm. don't know if there's going to be a second wave and mm. or local lockdowns or whatever. Um, do you have any long-term plans or are you just sort of biding your time at the moment? Well, I'm trying to think. I think we're at the moment, like everything is constantly changing and mm-hmm. you can, I kind of, I guess I live by the motto personally of like you make a plan, but you can always change it. Mm-hmm. Um, and so I think that's probably what we're doing is we're kind of trying to make plans. We're planning out, like we're going to restart our courses in September. Um, we're starting a new program in the autumn, um, kind of a progression support program. So for women, once they've graduated from the baking course, they've got another 18 months of support um, to help them back into work after that. Um, the bakers are still coming up with new products and new um, kind of business ideas. So lots of stuff like that is happening. Um, but I think we're going to have to be as flexible as possible, really, to just yeah, yeah. take it as it comes. Yeah, and lockdown kind of helped us uh, really work on our website. We launched uh, a new website in June um, that made it easier for people to purchase online. Mm-hmm. Um, so that's kind of where we're focusing our efforts, kind of taking what we have right now, what we're working with, and making it available for if people can't, um, you know, hit up our bakeries just yet, they can order food and uh, bakes online. And finally, before I completely let you go, I'm going to ask you both the question I ask everyone who comes on here, which is, if you could go back and give your younger self one piece of advice, what would it be? Rachel, kick us off. I think, I was thinking about this, I think the one thing that I wish I'd kind of been told or like had been really drummed into me um, was to push into like really hard and difficult conversations um because the consequence of not having them is worse than the feeling of having to stand there kind of knees shaking um so yeah that's something I wish I'd kind of been told um and yeah Mm. I think that's really good advice I often say that uh, version of that myself actually Mm. um Kayla what about you mine would definitely be bold I think I held myself back a lot because I was so worried about um, people's thoughts, you know, but you know, when you hit that, like from that childlike wonder and you're just kind of like, I'm going to do this and you don't overthink it, you just do it. And I used to write stories for my teachers and just, you know, hand it to them. I didn't care how they sounded or anything. It was like, I wrote this story for you today. And that was like my present (laughs) to them. And then I literally just stopped for like years and you know, I only really picked it back up in my 20s. And so I think like with my younger self, I would have said, be bold with your writing, you know, don't let the thought of what others could think hold you back. This is great advice and an uplifting note to Mm -hmm. end on. Uh, Thank you so much for your time. Uh, Really, really great to talk to you. And um, I hope that everything continues to go well. Uh, for you and and for everyone at Luminary and and to everyone listening Rising Hope is out now so that's it from us thank you very much for listening to the Sunday Salon please do share your thoughts about the episode with me I'm on Twitter and Instagram at Alice Zania and if you've enjoyed the podcast while we've been doing these isolation casts please 
do uh, think about leaving a rating or review because it uh, really cheers me up and it also um, boosts boosts how the show is 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 promoted to other people. Uh, so on that note, thank you very much and goodbye.